What's the best thing about being a woman? Answer me this. Answer me this. Is it the prerogative to have a little fun? Answer me this. Answer me this. 2015's not even over yet, but some of our listeners are already really stuck in to 2016 and what that holds. Yeah, well, sometimes I think it's a reasonable approach, actually, at this point in the year to say... Live in the present, not the future. Yeah, but, you know, I I think if you look back across this year and you're like, well, nine months has already gone and it's not exactly been spectacular, it's reasonable to say, well, what's coming up next year? Probably also not spectacular. Uh. What I'm saying is it could be a glass half full view to say, let's look at next year and enjoy it rather than what you're suggesting, which is it's a glass half empty view. Okay, well, I think Holly from Norwich is definitely glass half full. Uh Uh, She says, next February, I am ridiculously excited to be going on holiday to Disney World, Florida. Oh, wow. Wow. If ever anyone deserves a trip to Disney World, it's a lady escaping Norwich in February. (laughs) (laughs) As a result of this, says Holly, I've been on YouTube a lot watching videos and vlogs about it. Ah, you've got to keep the magic, Holly. Be careful. Spoilering yourself. I mean, there'll still be magic, don't get me wrong, but you don't want every surprise. Because I'm a big Disney fan, as you know, as I may have mentioned on previous episodes. Uh, And even I go easy when I'm reading the guidebooks and it's describing, for example, new attractions. You want to know how to beat the queue to get to the attraction, but Mm. I don't want the detailed description of what I'm going to see. No, you want to go in it prepared for thrills but not particular thrills exactly it's a bit like uh, apparently when you're doing internet dating it's wise not to exchange too many messages with the person you're meeting beforehand yeah in case your expectations are different to what the reality is holly says it suddenly occurred to me that you never hear or see of any crime in disney world Sh- yeah it's, it's not part of their marketing strategy that's for sure watch out for your wallet when goofy's about <laughs> it's not Westworld. surely people must steal things and get into arguments the same as anywhere else i wouldn't be sure because, magic uh, magic well for a start you've paid a lot of money to get in yeah daylight robbery right um, there I'm, and this isn't me being a snob but it does cost something like 70 quid for a day at disney world so immediately you have separated a little bit of the riffraff out Secondly, that is you being a snob by well, calling them riffraff. No, but it's it's true, isn't it? Everyone there is unlikely to be someone who needs to steal something because they've spent a lot of money to get in. You've got 70 quid you need to earn back through nefarious <laughs> means. I've been before, says Holly, and can't recall hearing or seeing anything, but I've heard a lot of rumours about Disney jail. Mm. Holly, answer me this. Is there such a thing as Disney jail? Does Disney have their own police? Or do they just call for police when they are needed? Well, a bit, a bit of all of the above, obviously. So Disney World is, is a huge site. But obviously it is technically in a real Floridian city, Orlando. Yes. Uh, and so I imagine if some real shit goes down, I mean, if you're talking about being suspected of, for example, child abuse at Disney World, I don't imagine the Disney sheriff comes in. Right. I imagine in that scenario, the police, the sheriff from Orlando, they're called. Um, however, it is a massive private estate, effectively. Mm-hmm. And so it is actually up to the Disney authorities, private security firms, mm-hmm. to decide how to deal with you uh, if you are attempting to shoplift and or cause a scene. And or more realistically, you know, you've had one uh, Mickey beer too many. You're a bit sunstroked. Um, yeah, exactly. Or your kid has got a bit overexcited and had too many Smarties and, and needs Jack Sparrow in the nuts. Uh, <laughs> that that is not a crime. In the <laughs> in those situations, obviously they're going to be very careful how they deal with you because there comes a point where they don't want to lose your future trade by treating you too harshly. Everyone gets carried away when they're excited and at Disney World. Uh so yes, there is what is so called Disney jail, 
This is something that is seemed to have spread since the invention of social networking. Whenever people get taken there, they're like, oh, God, man, I'm in hashtag Disney jail. Oh, so it's like the turkey leg pictures <laughs> exactly. jail. But is hashtag Disney jail uh, made to look like kind of cartoonish Wild West jail cell? In Disneyland in Anaheim, there is a room with bars on the window where they do put people until the police are called. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Disney World, I don't believe there is such a room, but there is a security firm there and they do get people misbehaving. Do they have a special Disney uniform? Um, <laughs> all the Disney police have little Mickey badges on, yeah. Right. But they also have truncheons and possibly guns. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where the theming stops. So anyway, if, if you urinate on a statue of Walt Disney or if you drink to excess, right. uh, you get taken into this room and basically they decide at that point whether or not to take things further. It's a sort of holding pen. So it's like being put on the naughty step. A former uh, employee of Disneyland in Anaheim uh, wrote an expose about this for Cracked uh, last year. Mm-hmm. And I quote directly, Disney jail totally exists. It's the happiest jail on earth, oh, God. but that's still not a place you want to end up. Imagine being locked up, underground, in a room with bars on the windows and the Lion King playing on an endless loop. (laughs) If you're underage, we call your parents. If you're old enough to know better, we call your family to pick you up. Generally speaking, winding up in Disney jail, and this is the thing to really pay heed to, Holly, means we're kicking you out of the park, sometimes permanently. Any Disney felon gets all of his or her passes revoked, and we do our best to make sure you never, ever get an annual pass again. Punishment indeed for the Disney file. Well, I'd imagine that is a true deterrent for mischief in the first place. Exactly. Hello, Helen and Ollie. It's Lexi from London. Please, Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Why is it that when peanuts are in shells, they're called monkey nuts, but when they're out of shells, they're called peanuts? What's that about? Well, why is it when you put salt on them, they're called a bar snack? I mean, there's lots of things you can do with nuts, mm. isn't there? You know? So true, Ollie. If they had shells on and you still called them peanuts, people would be like, well, I'm, why am I paying for a bag full of shells that I have to take off myself? I'm paying for the absence of my labour and for the naked nuts. Like so often, what you're saying is inadvertently fascinating. Is it? Because... Uh, <laughs> you're mocking me. Because if you think about uh, prawns, tail on prawns, yeah. more expensive than shelled very often. Yeah curious what is that about they've been processed when the tail's been taken off they're less likely to be food poisoning less work more to put clothes on (laughs) exactly there's much less work involved isn't there uh than when you have to take the shells off yourself i guess they weigh more i don't know but anyway the point being monkey nuts i think with the shell on are wonderful but actually more work has been put into peanuts and uh you get more in a bag so i think because they're called monkey nuts they sound more exciting but also more exotic because people are pointing out that that's what monkeys eat. And everyone loves monkeys, don't they? Except for me, I'm ambivalent towards them. It's hard to know exactly why these are called monkey nuts, so I can only speculate, but uh, I do not agree with the often repeated explanation that it's because they look like a monkey's nuts. Now we have the burger chain Five Guys from the United States of America. Mm -hmm. Uh, They, as far as I know, are the first franchise in this country to have the thing where they give away barrels of monkey nuts at the door do they you barrels you can't you get walk away with barrel. barrels <laughs> but they have an open barrel of monkey nuts into which you can dip a tray oh so you are getting the nuts without having the worry that someone has urinated on on their hand and then put their hands into the bowl full of free nuts like at bars yeah does that really i, I remember that horror story but i don't know if that's ever been anything other than i urban think myth. just everything is probably tainted with dozens of types of urine i've just never seen someone on like you know a help for heroes infomercial say <laughs> their injuries were caused by getting a dodgy nut but you know maybe maybe uh, a, a pissed on peanut is the ied of the bar snack world here's another question of food from katie from cambridgeshire who says ollie answer me this 
Why are the biscuit parts of Oreos black? <laughs> Based on apes' tits. <laughs> there aren't many black foods in the world, and I'm not really sure what flavour the biscuit part is meant to be. Uh, the flavour is biscuit. I mean, you know... The, it's a cho- chocolate biscuit, yeah, isn't it? The, yeah, it's, it's such a boring answer, I'm sorry. There actually, believe it or not, is not a high propensity of artificial colouring in Oreos. Really? Um, is it just charcoal? It's cocoa. Huh. It's just uh, black cocoa. Uh, but it is so black, the refined cocoa that they use for Oreos... Um, that actually, if you were to type "Why is my poo black?" into Google, oh, you'll find. Don't look at the images. <laughs> you'll find very often that people. I guess sometimes it's highly ranked because people make a reference to the colour being analogous to that of the Oreo. Uh, but actually, I think very often it's because an Oreo has been consumed and it's actually come out in the poo. So it's not been properly chewed. So that's the danger. Well, I suppose what it means is it's not been properly digested your stomach can't deal with it puts it out into your crap which in a way is good it mm-hmm. means even if there if there were artificial colorings you're not taking them on does it still have the pattern on um like i said i didn't click the images <laughs> probably for the best um but yeah you sort of if you think about it you know that it can't be an artificial coloring because oreos is a heritage food they're over 100 years old now so they well, put lots of crap into foods in the last 100 years i know but as we've discussed before that, that stuff kind of reached its peak in the 50s and 60s so if, if the if the item's been on sale for longer chances are there's a natural thing that at least the colouring would be simulating if you put colour into it now. Uh, and as is the case with ours, it's just cocoa. Uh, they've been kosher since 1997. Lovely news. I didn't know. They used to have pig fat in. Correct. Pig lard. Did they really? Yeah. That, was that, the, uh, sense, that was the filling, Martin. Yeah. Just meat lard. <laughs> oh, lovely. Um, when they were launched, they had two flavours. Mm-hmm. Care to guess the other? Lemon. That was a good guess. Thanks. It was lemon meringue. So I don't, I don't care for Oreos, but I'd enjoy that. Would you? Yeah, I love lemon meringue. I can't imagine what colour the biscuit would be in the lemon meringue flavouring. I imagine yeah, the cream though. would be lemon meringue flavoured, but then why would the biscuit... I think the biscuit would be white and the cream would be lemony. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's your answer. If you don't like it, poo it out. If you've got a question, email your question to answer me this podcast at googlemail.com. Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com Time for a question from a man who wishes to remain anonymous, but I'm in a playful mood, so I'm going to call him Hans. Hans? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's Just to give it a sort of craft work type vibe. All right. Uh, Hans says, my wife and I What's are... her name? Ooh. Inga. Gretchen. Bertha. (laughs) Bertha, I like. Okay. Okay. My wife, Bertha, and I are parents to a spirited toddler. Julio. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A friend of ours. Oh, no, now we need names for all of them. You created this mess? Sorry. Uh, A friend of ours, Franco, uh, hosts a weekly dinner party at his house. Before sending the invitation for this week's dinner... Franco phoned to suggest it would be best if we merely popped in to say hello from now on. Franco said he fears that Julio risks injury in his non-childproof home. Mm. Sounds like bullshit, doesn't it? Well, it's plausible. It seems far more likely to us, continues Hans, that it's our child's activity that is an annoyance to Franco's fiancée. Franchisino. (laughs) Franchisino. 
Our toddler's actions are not perilous feats that threaten personal safety. Rather, they typically include pulling books off shelves or dropping objects on the floor, such as napkins, placemats and puzzle pieces. Classic child. Uh, My wife and I are quick to replace everything where it was and nothing has ever been damaged. Well, some of the damage you can't see because it's in our souls. Yes. I mean, that's the thing. If they're picking up uh, treasured family keepsakes and throwing them around the room, even in a way that you think of as playful and innocent... Mm. Might not be coming across that way to friend's wife. That puzzle has never lain flat since. Uh, But I've often thought that his fiancée appeared exasperated by our toddler's perpetual motion. Well, where do they get their energy from? It's an abiding mystery. Uh, Whatever the reason, uh, continues Hans, I have no qualms about complying with my friend's request. I reckon you have some qualms. I think he does too. Though this essentially means not attending the dinner party at all. Mm -hmm, You think? (laughs) As popping in... Uh, would actually require a roughly 30-minute round-trip drive from our home. Actually, that doesn't sound too far to me. 15 minutes each way. This is obviously someone not from the uh, southeast of England, <laughs> where a 30-minute drive just takes you down the road. Uh, but I suppose with a toddler on board, that is a pain in the ass, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's his home, and he can extend or deny invitations as he wishes. But yes. this puts us in an awkward position. We are still on the weekly email list. And our other friends are bound to ask us why we are no longer attending the dinners, uh, since we have been amongst the most constant guests. Uh, Since small children have attended the dinner the entire time we have... Oh, ouch. ...almost weekly over the last seven years, uh, including several children who are currently the same age as ours. Uh, And my wife and I have often talked about the event as the highlight of our week. Mm. Uh, Yeah, this doesn't sound like you have no qualms I agree with your analysis That's that's quite sad isn't it Sounds qualmsy Indeed I don't want to provide an answer that suggests my child is ill behaved Even though he might be But I also don't want to respond in a way that makes our friend appear insensitive Even though he is a bit So Helen answer me this What do we say to our other friends when they ask Why we Hans, Berta And Julio Julio, uh, Are no longer attending Franco and Francesina's dinner party. I think those people will know because they will have been there going, oh, can someone please control that child? Our children didn't do this. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that there will be, you're right to point out, Hans, uh, one email that goes out Mm. uh, and then when people turn up, they'll be like, oh, why isn't Hans and Julio here? But then they'll be like, thank God. Hans Hudo's not here. Yeah. They'll, you'll be the point of discussion that evening. will be like, you're not there because your kid was making a load of noise and stuff. There's a reason why Julio has been disinvited where the other children haven't. And it may be that Julio is a little destroyer. But I understand that that's very hurtful. And I do yeah, also think possibly, even though your child's presence at the dinner party it sounds was ruining the dinner party for everyone else mm. i still think Sorry. probably francesina should have swallowed it and possibly just not invited you all over as often said oh we're mm. a bit busy can we do this once a month yeah with everyone spawning it means the dinner party's twice as big as it used to be yeah 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 make some logistical argument well what they could have done is be more honest about the reasons yes because also saying popping in that is a soft that's like Mm. i don't want to go out with anymore but i still want to be friends that's that kind of dump isn't it my mum sort of does this at christmas day like she has the philosophy uh that um you know it's christmas day and you should open your home to people but Mm. she doesn't really want them to come for the whole meal so so she'll say why don't you pop in for a drink pop in about five o'clock pop in and that means we don't want you with us for four hours Mm. i think that is kind of fair enough on christmas day yeah and at a wedding where it's like come, Similar thing, come yes. afterwards yeah 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 come, come for come the sea listers part yeah. <laughs> come for the bit where our our not real friends yeah. are there and we'll be too drunk to remember it but um 
on a weekly dinner party basis, I think it would have been probably easier, Hans, if Francesina and Franco had taken you to one side yes. and said, look, this is awkward, but Julio is a very noisy little boy. Uh, you know, he's an arsehole. We don't like him. It is maybe just for the next few years till he grows out of it. Um, would you mind... Uh, Getting yeah, a babysitter. Yeah. Getting a babysitter, exactly. And I think they haven't had the balls to say that. The to thing you. is, though, that is the taboo that's very difficult to cross, even amongst close friends. What, telling, telling them that their child's an arsehole? No, yeah. telling parents how to parent. Yeah. Because like, the real message is not your kid's an arsehole. The real message is you're not keeping them under control. Yeah. And if they're in our home, you need to yes. keep them under control. Yes, they haven't broken anything, but I don't want them running around pulling books and, and stuff off the wall. For their own that's safety cool. as well. Because I feel that in our flat, our flat is not child-proofed at all, and there are open stairs, and there are things for them to trip over or like smash their heads in on all over the place. I've had so, razor blades around the place. Yeah. yeah. You make it sound accidental, but actually. <laughs> Drugs all over the floor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so once my friend's children are mobile, I do feel like it's more convenient for me to visit them in their homes which are set up for having a child in them mm. rather than ours and it's not because I don't want them here but I just feel like until the children are old enough to not kill themselves on my property it's probably easier just not to but then I would say that to them and say I'd love to see you for this weekly thing but it just feels like it's more hassle now that they're not a babe in arms anymore yeah but that's I mean that's genuine like I've there's not been kids here that have like made the flat look worse than it already looks right. also the question is like how should I tell people why we're not there it's not the question at all the question is like how can you be a better parent yeah like well, no, or just like and how can uh, these people be better uh, better friends inviters? like how yeah. can they be better yeah. friends yeah. you know yeah well I think there's kind of fault on both sides isn't there like is, yeah. I think Hans and Berta perhaps have slacked on their child disciplining duties and I think Franco and Francesina have not been the most tactful hosts I think the big thing for this listener is that you need to make peace with it so Francesina and Franco have been brought to a position where they, they feel like they're faced with either disinviting you or making a comment, comment about your parenting, which they don't feel comfortable doing. And that's where they've got, got to the situation. So that might be your fault. It might be their fault. What you have to do is just get through this in your friendship. Maybe you should invite them round to your house, maybe for lunch. Yeah. Maybe you could suggest devolving the dinner party to all of your different houses and or you will take turns. What you should do is invite everyone around to the house apart from Francesina and say, I think it would be best if you just pop in because yeah. uh, <laughs> Julio really doesn't like you. That's going to yeah. work really well. Just pop in. Julio, he's got a bit of an allergy to people who don't have children. He <laughs> uh, just thinks they're kind of cruel. Today's intermission is from Answer Me This from early 2011, episode 125. And you can buy that on iTunes, you can buy it on Amazon, but we'd prefer it if you bought it from answermethisstore.com. Chris from March in Cambridgeshire. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. What the fuck is the difference between a cheese sandwich and a cheese toasty? My missus seems to have a go at me constantly when I want a cheese toasty instead of a cheese sandwich. Are you messing with our heads, Chris? It's, it's like the, heat. Di- the application it- of heat is like saying what's the difference between water and steam. It's like the- <laughs> it's a moron. It's like saying what's the difference between a raw chicken breast and cooked chicken. No, it's like saying what's the difference between raw chicken and chicken Kiev, Helen. It's two steps away. <laughs> it's not even... I'm flabbergasted <laughs> with rage, Chris. You're an yeah. idiot. Yeah, yeah, come on, Chris. Here's a question from Swapner from Louisville, Kentucky, who says, My almost two-year-old son loves... Hard-boiled eggs. Oh, Ooh, question for Martin. Mm. Egg chat. Yeah. You would think that after making them close to daily for a year... Is that safe, feeding loves, a two-year-old? He loves hard-boiled eggs! Yeah, but... I mean, I know there's theories now, aren't there, that, you know, you should just give children whatever you're eating, you know, not baby food. Just give them what, what's off your table, you know, get Chicken them used yogurts. to mature taste. <laughs> but... Gin. But... But, uh... Yeah, hard-boiled eggs every day for a two-year-old. He's, I can't believe that's recommended. He's bodybuilding. Mm. 
I think it's just a matter of trying to get your child to eat anything. I know. It seems like an infernal project. Okay. I guess there are worse things than eggs. Yeah. .tumblr.com <laughs> <laughs> She says, you'd think after making them close to daily for a year, I would be proficient at cooking a hard-boiled egg, but mm. sadly I am not. You failure, Swapner. I've tried several different ways, but I cannot find a simple way where the egg is cooked. No half-done yolks, please. Good God, no. And the shell is easily removed each and every time. I wonder how she's uh, trying to remove the shell. (laughs) With the hammer drill. Yeah, that could be the issue. (laughs) My default method has been to add eggs and water to the pot and boil. Once at boiling, let it run for close to 10 minutes, then put eggs in cold water until cool and remove shell. I would go as far to say that that is a conventional method. Yep. You're not doing anything wrong. You're a good parent. That's right. (laughs) The eggs are always properly cooked this way. Yes. But I can't get the shell off without ruining the egg and wasting much of it. How? What are you doing with the egg when it's cooked? Stamping on it with a boot. So answer me this. What is the best way to cook and peel a hard-boiled egg? Okay, there are two types of cutlery that I use for cracking open eggs once they've been hard-boiled. One is called a spoon and one is called a knife. In either scenario, I've not encountered any difficulties. They each have their merits, they each have their pros and cons. So you're not using them together, this is separate? Indeed. So, well, actually, no, with the knife, I cut down the middle, mm-hmm. so it's in two halves, then I scoop out the two halves with the spoon. Yeah, but then With the spoon, got... I crack and then put the spoon in the reverse end, so I'm sort of uh, going around the outside with the spoon. Yeah, that's the method I would use, yeah. even yeah. though I hate hard-boiled eggs, the, the spoon peel. So you must be using a fork to have any issue here. You've just picked the wrong thing from the cutlery drawer, or so... a corkscrew. <laughs> But I think maybe where you're going wrong is putting them in cold water because it's a lot easier to get the shell off when the egg is warm. So I would grasp it in a tea towel, roll it a bit on your kitchen worktop so that the shell cracks and then slide the spoon under and get the shell off that way. I'm amazed though that she is in the United States of America and there is not a gadget being advertised in infomercials constantly for peeling hard-boiled eggs. There is. It's called the Extractor. Extractor. How does it work? Um, It doesn't. Maybe that's what she's using and that's why it's not working for her. <laughs> it looks like the pump that you'd attach to some sort of penile growth device. Right. Um, and so it's a compression that you just up and down with your hand, flat, flat palm on top of this mm-hmm. compression device. Compress, 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 compress. Right. You put the egg in it and it's supposed to get the whole shell off in one using air. Yeah, does that also mash the egg? It doesn't work, as far as I can tell. I've read numerous reviews and it doesn't work. I think the chances are... That like with lots of gadgets, you know, if you used it constantly, used it all the time, after mm-hmm. numerous years, you'd, you'd understand its uh, peculiarities. But it's certainly not simpler. It's just a way of separating stupid people from nine ninety nine. Couldn't uh, you just cook an omelette? I mean, I know it's not quite the same Ooh, thing as different a different texture, eggs. Martin. Yeah. The Did kid loves hard boiled eggs. She could cook them in an egg poacher. You could poach and them. Then egg. that would be quite a similar texture. Five star hotel. When you go to one, <laughs> um, the omelette station's always there, right? Right. I've uh, never been to an omelette station. I don't know what that is. Serious? Never been to an omelette. You've stayed in five-star hotels. You've never been to an omelette station. Have we stayed in five-star Jolly hotels? Jolly Chef, little bowls of cheese, spring onions, an egg. And can you get anything you want? So even if you're doing a very ill-advised combination, they'd yeah. be like, of course, sir. Egg pizza with buffalo wings, please, and a straw. That actually sounds like it could work. Anyway, <laughs> the omelette station is always there. You have to take my word for it. They also have boiled eggs. Yeah. The boiled eggs are left in one of those weird rotating round things that looks like Wheel of Fortune for eggs. And right. it, it kind of steamed. Wheel of eggs. To keep them hot. Ooh. You know the thing I mean? So there's like a little bit of hot water in the bottom and then on the top some, here are some that I made earlier, hard eggs. Are you sure this is a five-star hotel yeah. and not the Wonka factory of breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> That's how the eggs are kept. Sometimes they're kept with one of those dome things over the top, but it's the same effect. The point is to keep them warm. I've right? mainly seen them in a bowl that I'm avoiding. Fine. The point is... They're not fresh. Now, I think if you can make a song and dance about the fresh omelette, 
make me a fresh boiled egg as well. Yeah, but you can cook an omelette in a couple of minutes. People don't want to wait an interminable six minutes for a boiled egg, do they? <laughs> I would wait. I would That's wait. That's un-American. Now, I'm sure if I asked, they'd do it. But I feel awkward asking because they're going to point, they're looking at me like a mad and say, well, there are the eggs, sir. Go mad. Have an egg. Well, this is really going to bring down their TripAdvisor score, But I'm isn't saying... <laughs> I, I, I think they, they should Four separate stars. the two. I think all eggs should be freshly made. Have you ever asked for an omelette filled with the hard-boiled eggs? <laughs> <laughs> Little challenge for you next time. In the 90s, I hired a 12-person web team To build and run my websites and I realised my tech dream Then the dot-com bubble burst and I had to drown them in a stream Why didn't I just sack them? But now, thanks to Squarespace, you can do it alone And build a lovely website for tablet or smartphone Enjoy it now, cause in 10 years you'll be replaced by a drone Just like Terminator 3 Cheers, Squarespace, for sponsoring this episode of Answer Me This and also supporting the efforts of human beings who are internet-enabled to build websites that work and are easy to run. Yes, that's right. If you've ever seen a website on the internet and thought, oh, that looks better than other websites... Almost certainly, Squarespace. It's almost certainly been designed by the geniuses uh, who create the templates at Squarespace. If you don't believe us... Give it a go. Have a play. It's yep. free for two weeks. And then if you want to sign up for a year, you can get 10% off using the code ANSWER. Hi, this is Gregory. In the song Thank You Doodle Dandy, he puts a feather in his cap and calls it macaroni. Answer me this. What the hell does that mean? I was amazed to discover that this song isn't a nonsense song. Mm. I just assumed it was one of those where they're like, funny word and funny word and funny word that rhymes. Yeah, I know what you mean. But actually, because we've previously discussed on the show, haven't we, the origins of she'll be coming round the mountain when she comes. When she comes! Um, And then there was a serious historical event that was being described, although there was some debate about what it meant. Yeah. And on my childhood keyboard, my favourite toy that I had when I was eight, uh, was a red, sort of like a fake Casio keyboard. I mean, you could play notes on it, but basically it just played eight pre-programmed songs mm-hmm. one of them was she'll be coming round the mountain when she comes when she comes and the other one was yankee doodle that i remember yeah so because in my head they're almost the same song because they're from the same device i yeah. thought ah oh, maybe this keyboard was like a quasi educational device it's like harry smith's folk anthology isn't it through the connotation i assume there must be something about the civil war or something like that about yankee doodle yeah, well, there were a lot of different versions of this, and a lot of them came out of the War of Independence, so a lot of them are the English being rude about Americans. Oh, right. As in this case. Okay. Yes. Ah. Doodle meant idiot. So it was American idiots. Uh-huh. Ah. Um, Don't want to be a Yankee doodle. A nation ruled by a poodle. Right, I was going to sing that, <laughs> but I was doing it in time. Guys, it's collaborative. You could have done it together, and now <sighs> look what's happened. It's fallen apart. Not like Green Day. Uh, but anyway, the, the, the macaroni... Uh, I was intrigued to discover referred to an English fashion of the 1760s, 1770s, uh, which was a youth movement called the Macaronis, kind of dandyish in the manner of the New Romantics. They wore massive wigs and pointy shoes and really tight jackets, and they oh, behaved whoa, in kind of an whoa. effeminate way. Effeminate men who dressed a certain way were called yeah, the Macaronis. Yeah, they were hipsters. So foppish, foppish hipsters. Why would you name hipsters after pasta? I think because macaroni was their favourite food. I wonder whether because that was exotic Italian pasta fun then. Right. It was like Le Rose Beef being the French name for the It'd English. It'd be like calling a hipster a pulled pork. No, yeah. No. Mm. Or a mason jar cocktail. I see. And so the song is suggesting that these Yankee Doodles 
think that just by putting a feather in their hat, they can be like these very fancy guys. Fancy Englishmen. But they do not realise there is a lot more to it than that. Still the case, isn't it, actually? You know, if you mm. if you did like an English romantic comedy set at Oxbridge... Yep. American student comes in, you know, looks the part, he's all glam. He's got a sweatshirt that says Oxford on it. Exactly. And then we're like, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Get yourself a threadbare coat that grandfather wore. <laughs> Isn't Pretty Fly for a White Guy pretty much the 20th century equivalent of that song? Because it's all about how he's trying to be hip and like down mm. in the streets and, yeah. you know, he does all everything wrong. He's very gauche in his fashion. He asks for a tattoo and it asks for a 13 and they did a 31. Mm. You're telling me a story I'm very familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> what else happens in the song? I'd never seen that parallel, Martin, but well done. You are a beacon of light shining on my intellect. Here's a question from Andrew in Dundee, who says, Helen, answer me this. Who composed the little tune that some clocks chime every 15 minutes? Boo, 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 boo. Boo, 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 boo. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Bong! <laughs> <laughs> my grandparents' doorbell was that. Yes, I, I think my doorbell is that. Uh, is I, we presume he means that one, but he says some clocks. I mean, yeah, some but, clocks well, some have clocks, a cuckoo, don't they? Some clocks don't chime every 15 minutes. But I think the ones that do, they pretty much stick to the classic. Yeah, I think that is yeah, the one he's talking about. Anyway, uh, who composed it, Helen? Reverend Dr. Joseph Jowett. The, of course. The Regius Professor of Civil Law at Cambridge. Uh, so when a new clock was installed at St. Mary the Great, the University Church in 1793, he was asked to compose a chime. So uh, with the help of uh, the Professor of Music, Dr. John Randall, and an undergrad called William Crotch, <laughs> <laughs> he wrote a melody, which was reportedly a rip-off of part of Handel's Messiah. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, it was called Jowett's Jig, and then it was known as the Cambridge Chimes, and then it was copied when they put Big Ben into the Houses of Parliament. Ah. Um, and so now it's usually called Westminster Chimes or Westminster Quarters because it's the quarter it hour. They ripped it off. Well, yeah, well, it was Everyone so was popular, each other off, so they? popular that everyone far and wide ripped it off. But it no one innovated, did they? It was a clock meme. Yeah. It's interesting because um, I read the other day that the Nokia theme. You know, da 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 Bong! Apparently that, <laughs> that also was uh, ripped off a piece of classical music. I forget which now, but apparently it is a variant on something that Bach did or something. I suppose it is quite a classical arpeggiation. Yeah, I suppose in a way, like anything involving classical instrumentation, the classical composers did. Yeah. Everything's mm. going to sound a bit like it was influenced by someone because, you know, they had a lot of centuries to come up with the best uh, formations yeah. of notes. And a lot of combos. Yeah. Bound to be some overlap. You sing it at the end of Brownie Meetings. No, you don't. You do. You do the bong. Oh, Lord, our God. Oh, right. Thy children call. Bong. Grant us thy peace and bless us all. And then you all link hands and you step into a circle and you go, G-O-O-D-N-I-G-H-T. Good night. So you did learn something from brownies. I didn't know that was still in my brain. <laughs> it's been there for nearly 30 years. Hi, Helen and Ollie. I'd like to be anonymous because I'm not sure... If the people in this question maybe listen to answer me this. So, uh, Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Uh, my parents divorced uh, quite some time ago, and then three years later, they got back together. I never understood why. I mean, I understood why the divorce happened, but I didn't understand why they got back together. Um, and now they're having all sorts of problems. And because I'm still really close with my brother, who still he's young enough that he's still living with them, I spend time over at their house, and I inevitably hear all of the problems. Uh, so how can I get them to stop telling me about 
uh, all of their marital issues, including ones that they really shouldn't be telling their daughter about. In a way, I think they're probably oversharing because they're thinking we want her to realise things aren't as bad as they could be. You know, we've got these issues that we're dealing with, but actually we're having an adult conversation about it. We're staying together. They think you're the grown-up and you can help contribute to the uh, resolvement. I think that's a very optimistic view of the situation. I'm not saying that's wrong, but maybe they are confiding in her because they're thinking, we split up last time, but now she's old enough to help us. Maybe she can save us this time. Maybe she'll save us money on marriage counselling. Yes, that's true. (laughs) The fact is, one's parents tell one... Things you don't want to hear anyway. Not necessarily saucy, but my mum will say... She'll, she'll tell me stuff about people who I don't know's uh, ailments. Yeah. I don't want to hear about someone I don't know's bad leg. My grandmother tells me a lot about members of the family, in quotation marks, and I don't mean mafia here. I just mean <laughs> members of the family that are so distant that, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure she's ever met them. There's yeah. no way that I care. I would say the best solution for this would just simply be to fight fire with fire. If they're not realising that what they're telling you is inappropriately lurid tell them what you get up to yeah tell them your personal problems they'll get the message fairly soon do you think this is also a coming of age thing where you realize that your parents aren't just your parents are the people who are immortal and know everything as mine are um but they're also just people who have a lot of foibles and problems and that can be somewhat difficult to deal with and imagine why are they confiding in her like, haven't they got friends? They can, like, it just seems Maybe weird. Maybe they also are talking to their friends, but they probably think she has the obligation to listen because she's family. You have to do things for your family you don't want to do all the time, right? Yeah, that's true. But I suppose you could just say, mother or father, I'm not the right person to tell this to. Perhaps yeah. you should seek couples counselling. Because also you don't want one parent telling you something that is really rude about the other parent when you want to love them both equally. Well, that's exactly it. You're still in the middle of the relationship. Yeah. Or maybe get them a dog. <laughs> Dogs <laughs> are great listeners, aren't they? That's, that's they really your solution are. to everything. Dogs are just like, yeah, tell me more. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Throw a ball, they want to do it. Yeah. Here's a question from Mike from Bath, who says, Helen, answer me this. Where does the coconut shy get its name? Is it unique amongst fairground amusements in being called a shy? Um, Sort of. It's very complicated, this, and unsatisfyingly... The etymology is unknown for why shy in this case means throw because you're throwing something at the coconut to knock it off the little stalk that it's on so you can win it. I'm about to say the phrase cock shy Mm -hmm. several times Mm -hmm. because before coconuts uh, arrived in Britain and this became a popular game in the late 19th century with your exotic new fruit of a coconut, there was uh, cock shy, which was uh, quite an old game they used to play at Shrovetide as a kind of funfair game where a chicken was on the top of a stick and people would throw stones and little sticks at it and the person who managed to kill it got to take it home and eat it. Oh, well, at least it got eaten. Yeah, but after... After being tortured. Yeah, after being broken all of its bones. After being stoned to death. Yeah. Or sticked to death. That's awful. I wonder now whether Hook the Duck started with similarly terrible origins. It is a worry. And so there was the phrase a shy cock because naturally if a cock was seeing a bunch of missiles being thrown at it, it would be... It would probably try and run away. Yeah, it'd be pretty shy. I assume it was tied up to prevent it from running away. And so shy cock was an insult levelled at politicians and I think just from the expression shy cock came the verb that to shy was Mm, to throw something. That's great. I'm not surprised that that game is no longer with us. All of those funfair games always leave me slightly cold, I must say. Especially because you have to pay. Yes, but um, then they have to pay 
for the prizes. No, no, but if, for example, a theme park model was applied to fun fairs, so you, you spent £10 to get in and then mm. you could have as many goes as you wanted on the coconut yeah. show, that might be fun. But the thing of like paying a pound to then almost certainly not win a toy that would be shit even if you won it mm-hmm. has always left me cold. Is that because for you there's no interest in the doing, only in the end result? I don't mind the test your strength hammer one. Like that to me seems like a fun way to like compare your strength to your friends. Is that really a contest you want to get into? <laughs> yeah, no, it was one I'd never win, but at least yeah. like it's fun to see what your comparative scores are, isn't it? Mm. And it's quick. Yeah. Whereas like hooking a duck, I don't want to put in the hours to learn how to hook a duck. No, fair enough. I'm pleased that I don't know how to hook that duck. Splat the rats, all right. <laughs> What's that? Is that like... Um, it's pest control. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder if actually, now you've told us about coconut and cockshies, oh maybe splat was... the rat really was a, a method of pest control back in the day. In f- and instead of rats, it was orphan children. <laughs> Population control. When your other sources are no help or meet with disapproval... Where can you go when your mum doesn't know and you can't be asked to Google? Answer me this podcast at googlemail.com 5 Here's a question from Anonymous who is 16 and from Exeter. And I'm assuming Anonymous is male because Anonymous says, I've got a minor problem that's been troubling me for some time. I get boners at completely random times, for instance, on my way to school. Uh-huh. I know they can be caused by a full bladder, but I'm sure that's not the origin, as I usually have no need to pee. <laughs> so, Ollie, answer me this. Is this normal? Oh. Sorry to be so patronising, but, you know, everyone tells us that teenagers are so worldly and they're watching porn all the time yeah. and all they know about is boners. <laughs> and yet they do not know how this is the normal teenage experience. Yeah, no, it's perfectly normal, yeah. 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 Because... When was your first boner, Martin? I don't think we've oh, had this no, conversation I don't, before. I, don't, oh, I do God, not. I can I leave remember. the room before this conversation happens? <laughs> I, can't remember. I, I don't I remember my first boner. Do you? Yeah. 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 Fisher Price, my first boner. boner. <laughs> uh, my first boner. I was really young. Really, really young. Well, babies get boners. Yeah, exactly. But it's not talked about much because then you're like, oh, you're sexualizing children. You're not really if you're talking about your own experience. Mm. I remember getting, I had um, a pair of pyjama trousers, mm-hmm. which were made of, like, don't be, don't make that suspicious, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whatever, you and your erections. This is normal stuff, mm-hmm. Helen. That's what I'm trying to say. I had a pair of trousers that had, like, a, a stimulating fabric inside. Mm. I, right. It was bobbly, basically. Ooh. Red bobbly fabric. Ooh. And it was just, it wasn't a sexual thought. It was the friction of that against my penis. How old were you? I think I was probably six. Were you always trying Ooh. to hump Santa suits ever um, since? I don't remember that, but I, I remember... I remember then, and then I remember about a year later, I was in the back of a car being driven by one of my friend's mums. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a sexual thing again. Okay. Uh, one of my friends, it was a girl, but it could have equally been a boy was sitting on my lap because we were in the 80s people didn't care about car safety like 10 people in a back seat yeah, at yeah. the time uh, and i so i had this girl on my lap and the, the friction again boner yeah um but then because it was a girl i started associating it with sexy thoughts a bit okay um and then i remember deliberately rubbing a teddy bear on my dick when i was about eight and that's when your sexual <laughs> career started <laughs> it's what i've been looking for ever since you lost your virginity to a teddy bear <laughs> it's my ideal girl is someone who looks like gary gatwick <laughs> 
Well, um, there's a little bonus for any of you who were just about to write in saying, Ollie, answer me this. When was your first and second boner? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this has had a happy ending, this episode. Uh, you talking you about your penis. you'd like to contribute a question to a future episode, all the details about how you can get in touch are on our website. AnswerMeThisPodcast.com And we relish the challenge of seeing how Ollie will turn whatever question you send into something about his penis. That's right, because uh, your questions are like sexual stimulation to us. No, not to us. Okay, I get a boner when I read your questions, that's what I'm saying. Bye! Stuffed stuffed mailbag. When they ask how our professional partnership dissolved, this will be the (laughs) moment that I pinpoint. Uh, Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Helen and Ollie and on Facebook.com slash answer me this. Yes. All that remains is to say thank you to Squarespace. Thanks, Squarespace. And to remind you to buy our old shit at answermethisstore.com. Because by doing that, you are supporting the show. And uh, please do return in two weeks' time for the next Answer Me This. Bye. Bye!